for me personally, it has always been important that my family was taken care of before I was uh, selling to other customers. So, so for me personally, the most important thing would be to start growing vegetables and and maybe some eggs um, for myself and my family. And that is food I don't have to buy, and in a, in a sense, things I don't have to pay for are the fastest earned money. Welcome to the podcast, everybody. That was Simeon from Swedish Homestead. And every now and again, we talk to someone on the podcast. Um, in fact, actually quite regularly, I talk to someone on the podcast that we're a little bit jealous of, and he seems to have a very uh, idyllic life uh, there in Sweden. We talk about how he got into homesteading, which is a term I'm coming across more and more. Um, it's, I think, originally an American term, but certainly I'm hearing it more and more, which is basically making a little farm, really, to feed yourself. And in his, his case, he's also feeding others as well. We talk about all things homesteading and how he got into it. Um, and how he supported his family and everything in between, really. Um, really great conversation. Uh, and he also goes into how he learnt about it, the people he learnt from, and all that sort of stuff, really. Really great interview, really great chat. So without further ado, let's start the podcast. Hi, you're listening to Plants and Me, the podcast that is all about plants, gardening, and the people who are passionate about them, with your host, Alan Lodge. Welcome to the podcast, Simeon. Thank you so much. Brilliant. Thank you for joining us. Now tell everyone where you're joining us from. Well, I'm sitting here in Sweden in our farm house and looking out the window at the last leaves falling off the trees. <laughs> <laughs> and what time? I don't know the time difference you have over there. I, th I think we are an hour ahead of um, the UK. Okay. And um, so it's it's 10 a.m. right now. We are in our slow season. I'm doing a lot of office work and enjoying being inside a little bit. Excellent. So tell everyone a little bit about what you do. Well, we do a number of things. Um, I would consider myself a, a homesteader and farmer and also a YouTuber. And that has become part of our life in the last few years. But it's it's really homesteading, farming, gardening, raising livestock. That is my big passion and sharing that with other people. Hmm. And that's something you grew up doing? Not exactly. I was actually born and raised in Germany and uh, lived there for about half my year. And in my mid-teens, my family my parents moved to Sweden and took me and my three siblings along. And when we lived in Germany, my, my dad was running a big electric company. And I was just like any other German kid going to school. And I would have pursued the career of a carpenter if we would have stayed there. And uh, I had this hidden dream inside of me of farming and working with nature. But that's for something that came out once we moved to Sweden more. And I joined a farming school here um shortly after the move so from 03 to 06 i um studied organic agriculture wow that's that's quite a change from carpentry it is it is um and you know the main reason why i would have pursued carpentry was because just where i grew up it was farming and 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 that kind of lifestyle was not looked at as something you could make a living off or or 
do well for yourself. So I was discouraged from pursuing that, but I had this, that, that is really who I am. And I didn't know it at the time of that, that is what I wanted to do so badly. So I'm glad in the sense that the move, even though it was very challenging in many ways, it, it kind of helped me to go that direction. Hmm. Hmm. And did the move to Sweden allow you much, uh, much more readily, much easily uh, to to do the homestead, or could you have done that in Germany? Well, it it is a long it is a long story. So, so my three years of farming school it was a great education, but it, it was an industrial farming approach, though organic. It, it was still industrial, and it actually turned me away from farming initially because it was just not what I wanted. I I just loved working with nature and actually at the time I had wished I had gone more of a gardening uh, kind of school that was more focused on on market gardening because I I wasn't so much into the big machines the tractors and and all that kind of stuff but more really the, the getting my hands dirty working close with nature so that initially turned me away um it was first first later when I learned of, of kind of different no-till gardening and, and all that kind of um, sort of farming, regenerative ag- agriculture that I got more interested in it again. And then for me, the opportunity was to lease my parents' land. Um, this is their farm that I'm living on and, and start the homestead here. I think it would be possible to do this in Germany, but for me, I had the opportunity here on my parents' land. Excellent. Yeah, yeah. And uh, land is the big, uh, the big problem, the big cost that a lot of people will have. So if you've got that opportunity, you have to seize it. Yes, yes, absolutely. It's, you know, my dream is still to to own a bigger farm. Um, That's my wife's and my dream um, ourselves and and expand a little bit more. Um, and, And to be a landowner is a very special thing. But I think people don't realize this very much but there is a lot of land that's not being used and you don't have to own the land in order to farm it or or grow food on it i think there are more opportunities than most people think for um, you to lease land and in that way without a big upfront investment actually start some kind of operation when did youtube come into the mix of everything you do Oh yeah, so that was in 2016, and to be honest, I had no idea what I was doing. I I had barely ever watched something on YouTube uh, myself. I didn't really know how the platform worked. I wasn't aware that it was such a social network, but I just had the thought, you know, starting up this business, having four children, and, and I was working a town job and trying to make it all work, just trying to start up a, a business on the farm while working a town shop and also doing a lot of non-profit work on the side and I was just burning out over it and we were really thinking of how to make this transition easier and create some extra revenue and then they had this crazy thought you know well there are some folks out there who are actually earning money by posting videos (laughs) and I think if I would have thought about it more I would have been like nah that'll never work that's just a few select people (laughs) and I I wouldn't have pursued it but um, crazy as I was I just took my iPhone and my my computer I didn't have to invest anything um, filmed a few videos and what then happened was completely unexpected so within two weeks we had over two and a half thousand followers and it just exploded 
and we we didn't know what was happening it was also new um, people from all over the world started watching and we we got tens of thousands of views in, in our first weeks of starting the channel and that just started off this journey and then when i was doing some research trying to look into it a little bit more i was realizing wow this is this doesn't happen to everybody who wants to start a youtube channel so um we since then we have been pursuing that and now we're actually trying to take that much more serious and and really looking at how can we help the people who are watching because we have received countless messages and emails people where people ask um can you help me i want to do this how can i get into that you have helped me so much thank you but i want to learn more and and we've been looking at that and trying to take it more serious mm-hmm. and what part of sweden are you in we are in the more southern part of sweden so if you look on a map sweden is an extremely long country it, it goes from you know in the south it's fairly mild climate like northern germany or the uk i would almost think and then in the north obviously you're north of the arctic circle but if you look on a map and in, in southern sweden you see these two really really big lakes that stand out on the map and we are right in between those lakes towards the north end of the lakes and it's a beautiful area it's um it's a lot of nature a lot of forest where we are and not too far from us are the bigger um, industrial agricultural areas with with big farms but right where we are it's a lot of slowly moving hills so to speak and and um, a lot of forest excellent very nice so from a climate point of view like you say it's not too dissimilar to north germany i was wondering whether it'll be very cold so do you have any challenges with that yeah i where we are you know, so being so far north as we are, the, the the elevation is can make big changes. So I grew up in, in somewhat the mountains in Germany, not the Alps, but, but some other mountain range. And, you know, it went up to almost 900 meters elevation. And you could, you know, sometimes the tops of the mountains had snow while it was still raining down in the valley. But here, even though the mountains are not as high, elevation still has a much bigger impact of on the climate. So just half an hour from us, you have climate zone two in Sweden, which is, if you think southern Sweden, Skåne, like bordering to Denmark there by the ocean is climate zone one. And just half hour from us is two, but we have four where we live, bordering to five. So it is quite challenging, but then I try to focus more on growing my vegetables and creating small microclimates that I can improve and help in that sense. Mm-hmm. And when people look at your YouTube, actually out of interest, what was the first video you recorded? Oh my, my first video, I think it was about an old broken wood chipper that, that we had standing on our farm. We actually chipped our wood with that thing. It, it's a dangerous machine (laughs) (laughs) and i just i just wanted to share share that with people you know i I started out just sharing some some stuff that i thought was cool but now it's really more vlogging and and sharing our journey and and trying to show people how we're finding home and from the the homesteading point of view um the type of crops you're growing have you got greenhouses do you have protection how do you do it yes so we we had more of a focus on on growing um, vegetables a few years ago, 
and and we're growing larger amounts of garlic especially and and tomatoes what we what we're doing right now is we're selling tomatoes from our greenhouse uh, that we built that greenhouse ourselves um, in our workshop which was a very fun project um, and then we sell some garlic we sell some some other vegetables but our focus has been more on starting up the the other farming operations and livestock because what i found with the gardening approach that i had being a no-till approach it was really important to me to have good cover material good compost um, large quantities of it and when i first started gardening i didn't have any livestock operations really running here and i very quickly found that that i had that i lacked compost and cover materials so and really understanding how it all connects and how beneficial both chicken and cows and all that can be that's what we have been focusing on to heal land to to with the chickens you know they help us till areas where we will establish new gardens we have pigs that work the ground and, and dig out weeds and then we have cows that you know produce a lot of compost during the winter time the pigs actually compost the deep bedding and and turn the turn the cow's manure into compost for us and then we can apply that to the garden so we have scaled down our garden a lot because in the beginning i wanted too much and especially with no-till and you cover a lot you mulch a lot um, it is really important that you get it right and and have a thick layer of mulch from the beginning hmm. And we're heading towards. You mentioned um, that you're you're currently selling tomatoes. We're heading towards the end of October. That seems quite late to me. Yes. Well, we have we're done for the season. I just cleaned out the greenhouse a couple of weeks ago and put the chickens in. Um, the we had a really um, early and strong period of frost just a couple of weeks ago, where where Arctic air came down from the north and. It got down to negative five Celsius, and it it killed our last harvest. So we we sell in at um, in local towns. It works that there this way that there are different Facebook groups. They're called Rico Rings, Rico groups. Um, basically, any local food producer can um, write a little post um, sharing what they offer, and then people will go ahead and order on that post on Facebook, and then you just drop the things off once a week or once a month depending on where which city um, you're at and that's where we have been selling our produce and we had all the orders and the night before we wanted to pick them and sell them it, it got much colder than predicted and our last harvest uh, was just it, it completely um, died from the frost oh no yeah <laughs> it's part of farming but it it, it sucked you know um couldn't do anything about that but I just cleared it out, and then in the winter time we we have animals in the greenhouse, mainly chickens, but we also sometimes have pigs uh, in there, and they actually prepare the bedding. They they dig through uh, the the ground and and eat the leftover plants and all that, so that in the spring it's just ready, rich in manure to just be planted straight into again. Excellent. And for people that, um, and I suspect there's hundreds, thousands, if not more people who would like to do exactly what you're doing, what, what would you say to them? Yeah, well, you know, 
it it is possible to make a living off of small farms and and i would say that it is really important that these people both evaluate and and plan their dream and what they really want because do do you really want to be a homesteader which in my world is more being a smaller operation um, closer to just living a certain kind of lifestyle and growing food for your family or do you want to be a small-scale farmer um, really full-time growing food for other people and I think it's really important that the people take the time to plan this and evaluate this and and I don't mean to self-promote myself here but actually I'm writing a, a book on just that that we are going to air in, in just a month about from now hopefully um, that is right about that it's called or it will be called, we're still working on the title, it'll be something like The Self-Sufficient Homestead, A Practical Guide to Creating Revenue on the Homestead. And it's it's exactly that. I'm dealing with that and walking the people through, you know, both my story and then helping them to plan their life, evaluate it, understanding what they want and then what they need to make that work and giving them hands-on ideas how they can make this work practically. I believe there are ways of making a living and you have to understand both what you're good at what you want and the customers around you and then you can you can do it and i think the most important part is that you need to live with low costs and cover those costs <laughs> yeah quite and i imagine is is that harder with did you sorry i think you said four children uh, yeah <laughs> well definitely but but the thing is with the four children i am so thankful we are growing 90% of our food ourselves i mean um we we grow i mean what we buy at the supermarket is is spices salt oils and and um some other products like toilet paper which is hard mm. to grow but <laughs> but um when when i look at what my kids as they're getting older eat i am extremely thankful for having the source of food from our farm and then especially because i know that this high quality product that I'm able to grow myself, I could never afford to to buy that in these quantities um, myself. So that is definitely really good. But it, you know, you see, it is expensive with with children, and as a farmer, you will never be rich. So you have to really th sit down and and do make a budget and plan your season and and look at how can I make this work practically. Mm -hmm. Excellent, and um, I suppose uh, you've you've already mentioned about um, potentially using disused land and things like that. And certainly, um, I don't know how the law works in the UK with regards to disused land, but certainly around us, I can I know there's disused land, and you don't need a huge amount to start with. No, no, exactly. There, you know, there are people who make a living off of um, growing mushrooms in a in a container. In, in like a, one of these, you know, big shipping containers, 40 foot or whatever they are. And, and the, there are people who, who specialize in, in growing a unique crop or, or something. You know, you don't need that much space. And, and there are also ways you can do land intensive, land extensive kind of growing. Um, you can raise pigs on pasture but if you don't have much pasture you could raise them in a deep mulch system there are lots of different ways you can work around this and and make things work i mean there's an urban farmer on youtube uh, from canada 
Curtis Stone and, and he farms people's backyards, which I love. <laughs> so <laughs> there are so many ways of, of uh, thinking about this and making this possible. And if you really want it, then I think you you are able to figure out a way. Hmm. So let's take this to um, the real, real small, uh, want to start maybe doing a homestead and you, you've got a back garden or something like that. The um, the group you mentioned on Facebook, I don't know whether something like that exists uh, in the UK, but it sounds like a fantastic system. So there's probably something similar. If you've got a back garden, um, where would you start? Well, for me personally, it has always been important that my family was taken care of before I was uh, selling to other customers. So, so for me personally, the most important thing would be to start growing vegetables and, and maybe some eggs um, for myself and my family. And that is food I don't have to buy. And in a, in a sense, things I don't have to pay for are the fastest earned money, right? Hmm. Then the next step for me would be to see if I, because you still have some cost, uh, for keeping let's say rabbits or chickens or even growing a garden you will still have some costs yourself the next step for me would be how can i cover the costs that um, come up when i grow this for myself so can i um, have those areas pay for themselves by maybe um, in the spring growing some extra plants that i can sell as plants uh, to other people who like to have a tomato plant on their balcony um, and then, you know, if, if that works great and I see I have maybe the room or the potential to do even more, I can choose one of the specific areas I have, you know, maybe some chickens or the garden or um, the rabbits or what, what might work for you in a backyard and focus a little bit more on that um, and um, try to earn a little bit of extra revenue on that. And then, you, you know, eventually you might want to take the step to maybe lease some land or um, buy your own place. And then you have something running already that you could focus on more. You have a small customer circle that you can work with. And uh, word of mouth, it spreads. And, and people, if you offer good products, will come back to you. Yeah, without a doubt. Um, and it's amazing how, and rightly so, it's amazing how loyal people will be when they find something they like. And actually, I think people appreciate people who do this sort of thing they they want to support them yeah mm -hmm. it's a community mm -hmm. yeah definitely exactly um so when you first started out um obviously you you had training uh you went to uh to school to study these sort of things um but when you first got on the land um how did you start how big a plot have you got yeah okay so so i i had learned farming organic farming in school but to be honest, I don't implement <laughs> barely, it, you know, pretty much nothing of, of what I learned anymore. <laughs> the, my farming approach and what I do here right now uh, is completely different. Um, it's it's what I would call regenerative agriculture, and that is nothing I learned in school. Um, though some things in school, obvious, you know, are, are helpful. So when we first started here, and, and uh, this is a 60 acre homestead, uh, 40 acres is forest, 20 acres pasture and field. And we farm that. And then we farm um, probably another 20 acres or 20 to 30 acres on the neighbor's land as well. When we first started here, I 
I, like I mentioned earlier, wanted to start by growing garlic because garlic grows really well in our climate and it's not grown very much in Sweden and it's a high value crop. And so we started actually with, I was fascinated and found the Back to Eden gardening documentary um, online. That was my first step into the no dig, no till gardening kind of thing. And, and so we started to mulch a big, big area. Actually, first we had done a test spot where we just covered our existing garden that we just did. You know, we've always had a garden. We just did it, um, you know, tilling and working in some manure in the fall and so on. And we covered some of that and it had great results. And so then we covered 1,000 square meters the next year, uh, planted 10,000 garlic plants. And uh, that failed completely due to a bunch of mistakes that we made. So, so it has been a very tough learning curve for us and partially because I was so fascinated by all these new approaches, working with nature instead of against nature, what I felt like my education had taught me a bit, that I was so fascinated by them, I knew that's what I wanted to do. But I had no mentor, I had no experience in it. The only thing I had was folks on YouTube. And even there, you can't listen to everyone. Mm, (laughs) So it, it took many hours of research and watching on YouTube to figure out different things. I made phone calls. I I visited um, people in the US and then it was a lot of trial and error here on the farm. And that is one reason why it is so big on my heart to share all these experiences with people to prov- to keep them from making the same mistakes and save them a lot of heartache and financial trouble and years worth of of doing things wrong yeah i wonder whether those experiences as well make you uh far more approachable and make you it makes it easier for you to share how to do something because you you've been through all of those trials and tribulations yeah absolutely i've i've always been a person (laughs) i mean you could come to me and tell me this is how you do it and i would like be oh no i'll just try it myself and i would have to make the mistakes myself but then i learned the lesson (laughs) (laughs) you know i i I somehow i've always needed to make my own experiences but they they become so valuable to me and there's a there's a farmer um, in the u.s who always says um, anything worth doing is worth doing it wrong first (laughs) because you learn so much from it and and that that is really true it is really something so so every time i failed i just learned so much about why i failed and what i had to change and understood everything more and better and then i could because i understood it in such depth i could explain it to the other people in a in a easy to understand way mm-hmm. Hmm, excellent. And uh, a few questions we we always ask people, and you you've mentioned it a couple of times in the last few few seconds. Uh, uh, one question we always ask people is any notable failures. I wonder whether that would be the garlic, would it? Um, yes, def- definitely that. But but you know, I, I what I would say. I mean, I I still fail lots of times, and and it's it's just part of anybody who doesn't want to just follow along, but wants to think out of the box and try and test new things and, and keep improving and, and keep change on, on their 
um, land or farm or business or whatever. Failure is just part of it. But but what I would say is my biggest failure throughout the years was um, being prideful because after my school education, I, I really thought I knew it all. I, I didn't have to have anybody show me how to do things. And it was when I was first approached with these more regenerative uh, no-till approaches to growing food, I was... I was like, yeah, right, just another person trying to do something. I studied this. I know how to do this. And and it was really this pride and arrogance that kept me from innovation, that kept me from opening my eyes and, and um, just seeing new things. And and so that that I would say is definitely has definitely been my biggest failure. Um and, and there are lots of failures that are excusable because you just learn but I feel that that pride is something that's hard to excuse because it just hurts others and yourself. Mm, yeah, definitely. And when you first started out, um, you've mentioned you use YouTube a fair amount. Um, we often ask people whether there was a particular book or a person that inspired them. Um, have you got any example of that? Yeah, absolutely. So my, like I said, my first gardening documentary that that opened my eyes a little bit more to this whole movement of regenerative agriculture was uh, Paul Gauchy's um, gardening documentary Back to Eden um, and and then the, what I would say the person that has inspired me the most that has left the biggest impact on my life as a farmer in the United States um, Joel Salatin uh, from Polyface Farms in, in Virginia uh, we pretty much run most of our things according to what I've learned from him. And, and he would definitely be the person I quote the most and, and um, refer to the most. And how did you get in contact with him? Well, I, I found his videos on, on YouTube or up from other people who went to his farm and recorded. And, and I watched hours worth of that. And then there are different movies and documentaries uh, where he is part of it. And then I just wrote him and, or I called the farm store. Actually, <laughs> I figured, figured out the time change called the farm store. I was like, Hey, I'm a crazy guy from Sweden. Is there any way I can talk to Joel? And they said, well, you should write him an email. And so I wrote and he answered and we wrote back and forth a few times. And then last year, uh, my wife and I visited them on the farm, got to spend some time with him and, uh, learn more. And I've written with him a couple more times since then and read a, f a bunch of his books. He has a, a lot of his books out there just teaching that kind of farming. And it, it just has left a big impact on my life. Excellent. We'll definitely put notes into um, into his um, so people can look him up as well because it sounds, sounds very, oh, very yeah. interesting. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, and when you're heading out, um you you open up the door and go out is there any particular tool you have with you all the time uh yeah absolutely so so um i always on my belt i have a leatherman multi-tool that i use every day and that's always with me and it saves me a lot of time and work on the farm because there's so many variating tasks on the farm and on the homestead that you know i would have to carry pliers and a hammer and a knife and, and all these things with me all the time and the, the multi-tool is just what takes care of 95 percent of all those things for me quite well so that is something i can't be without excellent and uh, uh to finish off the questions um where do you see the future of your homestead 
Well, um, right now we are, um, you know, working on on airing a website and um, making more resources available for people, and we're kind of updating our YouTube channel um, as well. We are going to air a book and and do things like that, and we just hope in general that we can focus more on not just growing food, but also teaching people how to grow food. And um, my wife and I actually, like I mentioned earlier, have the hope and vision to to um, run a bigger farm on our own place at some point and um, be able to focus on both those things. And, we, you know, we don't know when that'll be, but that's what we are working towards. Mm. Mm, excellent and how old are the kids um my youngest one is three years old and my oldest son is 10 so we have four children within six years <laughs> it's busy at home <laughs> yeah i can imagine it is but you, you're getting close to having some free labor there <laughs> yes yes absolutely they they're helping you know um they have to go to school and they, those are quite long days we live quite far away from the school but during the this long summer break uh, they love to get involved and do a lot of things here excellent brilliant well thank you for joining us Simeon it's been uh, been really nice of you to join it's been fascinating to listen to to your story and what what you do there uh, we make sure we put all of the links to yourself your youtube channel and and various bits and pieces uh, in the show notes so people can look you up because I, I know they'll be very very interested to do that yeah thank you so much thank you for the opportunity to share no problem at all thank you bye Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining us on the Plants and Me podcast. We'll be back soon. If you can't get enough of all things plant-related, pop over to plants-uk.co.uk. And if you enjoy our podcast, don't forget to subscribe and rate us.